Hello. Hello. Hey, how are you? Good, how are you? Busy. <laughs> it's been a busy day. Yeah, I know that feeling. Um, my head had a family emergency, so now uh, I have to, I had to do everything today by myself with a GA. Ooh. It's a stressful day because he literally gave me a call and I was like, had to plan a whole practice and it's fall break, so we have to feed all the kids. And I have to make sure they get all their food and we leave tomorrow. <laughs> wow. So it's been a busy day. And then I had the, the AD call me um, to check in with me and make sure I was good and to meet with me for a quick second. I was running around everywhere. So I've been, been trying to do. So I'm in um, teaching practicum. I'm in that class right now. And I'm like, I swear with the event over this past like week, week and a half, trying to get everything coordinated. Mm -hmm. It has been so time consuming. Oh yeah. I'm no, like, I just, I, like, I'm still trying to do the assignment that's due today. I just finished I was like sitting there cause I was supposed to have like today because we're traveling and everything. My mm -hmm. boss was like, before I got the call last night he was like, well, I'm gonna give you after training tomorrow, you can leave. You can come in late. You don't have to be there for the wait stuff. Get the call. And I'm like, okay, I got to be at the school, 7.30 to open up the, the locker room. It's a 45-minute commute. I had to leave at 6.30, up at 5.30. Had to do all the practice stuff. And then I stayed for the film stuff to make sure, like, I can do the film with them. Because um, I told him, I was like, if you need to leave, leave. Because I understand, like, you have to you have to go. Um, okay. Because he was like, I'm going to stay for a little bit. And he's gonna, like, I'm going to book you out. And then he booked out like right after lunch. Um, but you could tell like he was not in the right mindset to be like, it was just a lot for him to be dealing with. And then I told him, I was like, go do what you need to deal with. And I will take care of everything tomorrow with travel day. Don't stress out. It's an easy travel day for us. We leave at like 9.30 in the morning. So I will be there at uh, 7.30 in the morning again Ooh. to get everything packed up. Cause I didn't have time today to pack up everything. <laughs> And I have players. I'm trying to get all the meals situated. Uh, yeah, because this one place wants it like two days out ahead, two days out. So they're supposed to be filling in. So I told them if they don't have it done by the time I'm done this meeting, um, someone is getting yelled at. <laughs> how was the? How is your discussion? Are you like almost done with it? Um. No. No. So out of four questions, I've done two. So halfway. What kind of questions do you have for this week? I want to be the same um, thing. So after reading the study entitled Runner Identity and Sponsorship, evaluate the rock and roll marathon along with chapter five data collection and anal um, analysis. Yeah. And then it's like list a potential strategy that you would um would have helped increase the author's survey response yeah. and then 
Yeah. So I, is it the same one as you? Yeah, that one's the first one, the same. That's how I was trying to figure out four questions. I was like sitting there. I was like, I thought it was three parts. <laughs> I was like, maybe I'm messed up right now. <laughs> yeah, so there's three parts. So, well, the first one's two questions. That's why. Yeah, okay. Yeah, so I did it. I, I was so stressed about that one yesterday. I was sitting there like, I did the first two and I was like, okay, get the first two done and then work on the the third one today. When I got like, I thought I would have time and I didn't have time. So I was ran home, ran back, and Lily was just working on it. Yeah, Which so, other, I mean, other class. I feel like the other class, right? I feel like it's coming from the other class, like you're building on what you just learned. Yeah, so this one is supposed to be basically a mixture of everything that we have been already using and learning, and then now we're applying it. So when I was talking to him, because even like the first week, I, you know, I, I text uh, Professor Wartella and I was like, uh, this is the same thing, same uh, lecture that I saw from, you know, XYZ class. I forgot what it was. It was like sports management or something. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So it's just like, it's like content that's being repurposed. I was a little confused. I was thinking, I was like, this literally looks familiar. I was like, this question is definitely familiar right now. <laughs> I agree. Austin, I was like, this is definitely um, familiar. Um, so I don't know where it came from, but I know it's from one of the classes that I first had. No, but hopefully everyone, I know um, like class-wise, they, they sent it out, most of the professors, so. Yeah, um, I did. Yeah, I saw that. Well, that's because I sent it over to uh, Wartel and Sean, and then they did like a blast one. And then I logged into like my last class mm -hmm. and um, I just like started blasting to whatever prof professors I had in my email. Yeah. I want to say Professor Campbell reshared it. Yeah, my professor's new and he shared it because I know I he posted, he shared it a few times and then I shared it through like my intro and stuff like that. Um, yeah, that's that's what I did as well. So I know he, like, I, I talked about it in the intro video and then I, I put the information in there. So okay. watches and stuff, um, the video and that part of it. Gotcha. And he would be going off right now. Yeah, that's weird.
Hi, Sean and John. Thanks for joining us. We're going to get started in just a few moments, okay? Hopefully, we can get some more people logged in. Sounds good. Hello, how are you guys? Doing great, thanks. What class are you in right now? Um, 590. 590. I think, I be, I think I might be in your class. Are you in my class? Okay. With Marcella? <laughs> yep. Yeah, awesome. I think it's yeah. Uh, uh, you, me, and Skylar are the are the first ones to uh, do the discussions every week. I think, except for this week, I'm still working on mine. <laughs> yeah, this one wasn't terrible. Yeah, the quiz, it, the quiz was not very easy. No, I, no. I can't believe how how long the quiz is. Like, it took me 24 minutes. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, like 25 <laughs> questions, whereas like the other quizzes I've done throughout the program. Um, I've only been like 10, 10, um, yeah, 10, 10 questions with yeah, 10 uh, questions with two to two to four options versus uh, seven, four to seven options on everything. <laughs> right. Yeah, I couldn't believe it. We're slowly getting people rolling in. We'll get started in a few moments, guys. Hi, Brian. Thanks for joining us. Super excited. How are you? I'm doing great. Thanks How's for inviting evening? me. <laughs> I appreciate the invite. Thank you for having me. Yes. Happy to have you. Can't wait for you to knowledge drop on everyone. <laughs> oh, there you go. All right. Set the bar high, huh? Yep. <laughs> Let's see where we can go. Awesome. Another two more minutes and then I'll do an intro and then we will let Brian take over. About another 30 seconds, see if anybody else wants to pop on. Otherwise, I'll go ahead and get started and introduce.
Hello, everyone. Hello, Professor Wartella. How are we doing? Doing good. Um, How are you? Doing well, doing well. I um, appreciate you having this. I, I, I see our guest speaker. Um, Brian, I'm, my name is Justin. Hey, Justin. Um, nice to meet you in a virtual sense. I read a little bit about you today. I, I saw your name there that uh, Lauren's been hyping up. So I went online and found some about you. So, um, oh, cool. you know, you're the, uh, you're the first one. So we'll see, um, you know, oh boy. we have here, but you know, we, no pressure. How do you up first? Yeah. So, so, <laughs> so, so that says something obviously. And, um, and, and just, just honestly, thank you very much for your time. Of course. No, I appreciate it very much. I do a lot of talking at different college campuses. So it's always nice to be able to connect on this level. Yeah, yeah. Um, we're, we have a, uh, you know, we, we have students from, we have a pretty diverse group here of, uh, of students in our program that, that are, you know, from all, all over geographically and all types of ages and, you know, That's great. female students, um, you know, non-traditional kind of going, you know, that, that are in other industries and coming back. Yeah. yeah. We have coaches, we have administrators, we have people working in community sports, um, high school teachers that are that are pursuing other routes and, and so forth. So it's a uh, it's a good group. That's great. That's really cool. Yeah. So I, I, and I see some names here out there of uh, some of my students, which I, I appreciate. I appreciate you all. Um, I see some. I see my man Jesse there. I haven't I haven't seen him in a while. I haven't had him in class, but I appreciate your help here, um, Connor. I've had you. Coach Gafour, how are we doing? I'm good. Just very busy, you know, season. All right. All right. Well, well thank you again. Um, and obviously, Lauren, thank you for so, so much for um, rallying the troops here, getting everything coordinated. Um, I, I, I knew it took – I know you guys met about a week or so ago for the first time. I couldn't make that one. I, I was in Pittsburgh. Um, but – little bit of delay on getting this started here this semester, but um, it looks like it's off and running, running very well. Yep. Yeah. So for anybody that doesn't know what Sports Leadership and Development Association is, it is a grad student and like-minded individual organization. Um, so the whole purpose why I wanted to bring together this new student organization and create these virtual diverse and educational, informational and networking events is because there isn't anything out there available for grad students and for ones that are really inspired to, you know, grow within the, the sports industry. So today I want to present to you and kick off the events. Um, so I wanted to start off by preparing you for your career in sports. So I don't, when I think of going into the sports industry, like I always think about low hanging fruit jobs, you know, like going for an athletic assistant athletic director. So my whole point of what I want to enlighten everybody about is there are so many different endless opportunities within the sports industry. You have to create your own position in the industry. You have to, if there isn't a chair at that table, bring your own chair. That's the type of inspiration and collaboration that I want, want from this or, uh, student organization. So without me talking anymore, I'm going to pass along this event with Brian Clapp. So Brian, 
Do you want me to do your little introduction? Sure. No, this is fun for me. Go right ahead. You're doing great. So sports talk, preparing for your career in sports during this event. Um, I want everyone muted. And during that time, our guest speaker, Brian. So he is making a difference in the sports industry. He hosts a podcast and regularly speaks at student events and other sports related events with the intention to educate and inspire, which is what this organization is for. So Brian is a vice president of content and engaged learning from workinsports.com. So I hope that everyone has actually heard or, or used workinsports.com. If not, get on that and start listening to the podcast. And for now, I will let Brian take it away. Thank you, Lauren. I appreciate it. All right. Thank so you. let's, let's uh, take down some of the formality. These sessions are always better if everybody's engaged in it, right? So let's ask questions. Let's have a conversation. I have stuff I'm going to talk about, but I want to really hear from all of you and have this conversation be between us rather than just at you. You don't want to be lectured. It's 7.30 at night. Last thing you want to be. Well, actually, your time zone different, right? So 6.30 there? No, 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 it doesn't matter. I'm in Philly. Um, we can get into an argument about Philadelphia sports at some point if you want, but I'm actually from Boston, so it's even worse than that. So I, the sports story will get worse from here. Um, I'm going to share my screen, but I'm going to be able to see all of you. So please, please, please jump in if you have anything you want to dive into deeper, take in a different direction, have a question. Um, I do these sessions all the time. And a lot of times we just open it up and people just ask questions and I just handle them. So don't be shy in this. This is your opportunity. So I'm here to help and have this discussion. But at the same time, um, you guys need to lead it in some ways. Okay, so we'll get past that. You already know who I am. Um, Oh, gosh, my screen isn't responding. There we go. A little quick background, just so you understand why I'm here. Um, I started in the sports media in 1996 at CNN Sports Illustrated, which was a 24-hour sports news network. I was hired right out of college at CNN Sports Illustrated, which is two of the largest names in the sports media coming together to form a network. And the reason I bring that up isn't to say like, yay, look at me. It's because I got hired coming out of college for a very specific reason. When you work in the sports media, chances are you start in somewhere like Pocatello, Idaho, Bozeman, Montana, Champaign, Illinois. You know, you start in some really tiny market and slowly work your way up. But I got hired for a very specific reason. I'm going to tell you about that in a little bit. But I started out and it applies to everybody, whether you want to work in the sports media or any part of the sports industry or actually any industry. So we'll get into that in a second. But I started out as a production assistant, I was an associate producer, I was a producer, I was a senior producer. And essentially what that means is I'm an individual contributor. I show up to work, I have specific tasks I need to do. And then at the end of the day, I, I go on and, you know, go home and do something else and then come back and start all over again. So when I was a production assistant, I was editing game highlights uh, you know, covering press conferences, things of that nature, and putting them out on the air. When I got to be a producer, now I'm designing these shows. I'm in there in the control room. I'm making editorial decisions. I'm assigning things to anchors and reporters, et cetera. But again, my show ends. I'm done. I go home. Well, the next step is getting into more of a management role. And so I, after seven years, wanted to expand and get into more of the management side. So I got recruited out to Fox Sports Northwest in Seattle. So right there, I tell you, I grew up in Boston. I went to school at the University of Delaware. I moved down to Atlanta, and then I moved to Seattle, all within the first like seven years of my career. In the sports industry, there is a lot of times you'll have to relocate in order to move up. Not always, but just get, get ready for that tendency. A lot of times, and I can get into this a little bit deeper, but with what we're seeing now with the great resignation and people changing jobs and people like just taking a break, you're seeing more churn than ever before. 
you're literally seeing more jobs open up and then more people flooding to them. So that's churn. That's over. That's, that's turnover of, of opportunities. Whereas a lot of times in the sports industry, you get log jams. You know, you get these bottlenecks where somebody's sitting in a job and they love it and they don't ever leave. So it's hard and you have to move out in order to move up. We're seeing a little different trend here because of what's happening in the marketplace, what's happening societally. So it's interesting. But at the same time, it's still a competitive landscape. We'll get into that. When I get to Fox Sports Northwest, then I was the news director and coordinating producer, which essentially meant now I'm managing 35 people. I'm doing strategy sessions. I'm setting us up for six months in advance. I'm doing budgets. I'm doing hiring and firing and all these other massive things that take long periods of time and carry over from day to day. It's a massive shift in your life and career and in your focus and the way you go about things. And actually, the sooner you start contemplating all of those decisions, you'll better off you'll be because all of you will hit that point at some time. You're going to hit a point where you go from being, I do this thing to I doing, I do these things. And so it's important to kind of frame your mind around that now, because that is going to happen for you. But let's get into this. Um, another quick background. So as Lauren mentioned, uh, I've been at work in sports for the last eight years. Uh, most of what I do is on the content and content creation and um, learning programs and, you know, content across the board in multiple facets. So I host our work in sports podcast, which explains why I have the extremely large microphone. Uh, and a lot of the information I'm going to share today is not only from my personal experience, but also from the people that I've interviewed and talked to. So, I mean, tomorrow morning, I'm interviewing Sam Doerr, who's the chief strategy officer for the Florida Panthers. Uh, last week, I interviewed Mike Nelligan, who's the CMO for Vayner Sports. It's, it's all kinds of types of people that we have on the show of all different types of careers and opportunities. I've had on assistant ADs. I've had on ADs. I've had on all different types of coaches and scouts and general managers and any type of position you can really think of. Um, so a lot of that information that I'm going to talk about today and a lot of the, the focus of what we do is try to create that information and knowledge base to kind of paint a picture, to give a blueprint, to explain what it's really like to be out there in this industry and how people get started and what they look for when they're hiring and those kind of questions. So that's where a lot of the information I'm going to share kind of generates from. Okay, so any questions to, before we get going any further? All right. Anybody can jump in at any time. That's, that's the rules of this game. Um, when you are looking to work in the sports industry, there's more, there's four major pillars you need to consider. So gaining the right experience, meaning the things you're doing, the activities you're taking on right now, the classes you're taking, the internships you're doing, the volunteer opportunities, the outside work activities, outside school activities, all have to track to what the industry needs and wants out of the positions you are seeking. That is a big misstep for a lot of people. A lot of people go through the motions. They never think that two steps ahead of where they want to be and understand what is in demand for that marketplace. We'll get into that in a second. Building and maintaining your network. Two key words there. You got to build. A lot of times it's coming from scratch. A lot of people don't start out with knowledge and connections and relationships, but you got to build, but then you also have to maintain. A lot of people seem to think that clicking a button and getting a connection is networking. It is not. Okay. So we're going to get deeper into that. Probably won't be able to cover the last two. We can, if there are questions in this regard, we absolutely can. But um, mastering your cover resume, cover letter, and personal brand, obviously that's the way you present yourself. It's the way you get to be known. And, it, and it's a two-dimensional version of you. It's not who you really are, but it is a representation of you. Uh, a personal brand is extremely important along with your resume and cover letter. And the final one, which happens to be my personal favorite, you can do everything else right. You can get the right experience, attracts to the industry, build this great network, have a resume that's on point. But if you can't, nail the interview process. It's like the final 10 yards of the race. If you can't nail that part of the process, somebody else will pass you. 
And so this part where you are in front of somebody, whether it's on Zoom or you're in person or wherever it may be, is critical, critical to that final push to getting over the job. So a lot of what we teach, a lot of what we try to share through a lot of our programs that we have in a lot of colleges and universities are these essential pillars. So let's keep going. Okay, so you will hear throughout your career and all your aspirations, you will continually hear about how competitive it is to work in the sports industry. And it's true, but it's also misleading. Okay, so I'll interview people who are in talent acquisition for the Philadelphia Eagles or the Cleveland Indians or the Las Vegas Golden Knights. And you'll ask them and you'll say, hey, so what is it really like when you throw a job requisition out there? When you push out for a job, no matter what it is, and you get it out there, what happens? And they're like, okay, we'll probably get 500 applicants. And that is scary. You're like, how am I ever going to stand out amongst 500 people? Here's the truth of it. About 60 to 70% of those people are not actually skilled to do the job. They are fans. They are hoping. They have a favorite team. They want to see if it maybe just happens by chance and luck. And you know what happens? Those people do not get considered. So right away from when an HR team takes over and says, we are going to post this job, we are going to get in all the applicants, and we are going to start to cull the list down for you, hiring manager. It goes pretty quickly from this big, scary number of all the people who apply, because anybody can apply, down to 50. It gets cut down pretty fast to a group that have the skills to do the actual job that is in demand. So that's a lot less scary, right? We're funneling downward. So they do a resume cover letter portfolio review and they get down to 50 and they pass that over to somebody like me and the hiring manager. And then we start doing phone interviews. We get it down to 20. We can start doing some video interviews. We get it down to 10. Then you do a cross-functional interview where you have the, you know, the hiring manager, a couple other coworkers, maybe a, a, a boss, a upper level boss. They do a panel interview. You get it down to one. You make a final decision. Yay, we're going to hire you. But this number up here, this 500 sounds really scary and it's going to intimidate you. Frame your mind around the fact that there's a lot of people that want to work in the sports industry that don't actually have any skills to work in the sports industry. And they will just apply for things because they like the idea behind it. So don't get scared by this. What we're talking about is we want to get you in the consideration set. All those five, four things we just talked about and all the nuances of all those things. That will, if you do these things, you will get into the consideration set, which means then it's time for you to perform. And that consideration set is that smaller group. You're being considered. They're looking at you and saying your skills match with the needs of this job and we're willing to consider you. That's where you want to aim for. So focus on that number. And then it's performance art. It really is. You master the art of being able to interview. When you get to an interview, what they have decided about you, this is extremely this is extremely important. And I want to make sure I say it now in case I don't get a chance to get to it later. When you get an interview, what they've decided at that point, they being the employers, what they've decided at that point is that you have the skills to do the job. They've already determined that because they looked at your resume, they read your cover, they looked at your personal profiles, they looked at your social media, and they said, okay, I want to learn more about this person. So if they know you have the skills to do the job, what they want out of the interview process is to know who you are. How do you connect with our culture? What other soft skills do you have? What other ways can you raise the bar at our organization? Are you the right match for who we want to be? That's what they're trying to learn. They're not trying to get you to prove you know how to do an Excel worksheet because they've already verified that by seeing it on your resume. Sure, they may ask some questions to follow up on skill set and make sure that you really do have these skills. But really their intention is when you start to get into the consideration set is who are you? What do you bring to the table? How do you solve our problems in this organization? Because that's all hiring is. We have a gap. We need to fill it. 
are you the one right, the right, right person that can fill in? That's what we're talking about here. It doesn't have to be brain surgery. Okay, so a lot of you, I have no idea what your situations are and how like focused you are on where you want to be, but I'll give you a couple tips. A lot of people that I talk to, whether they're in grad school or they're in undergrad, are still confused about what it means to work in the sports industry. And a lot of people go at it and say to themselves, I will continue to get an education until I figure it out. And that's okay. That's fine. That can really work. But I'm also telling you that you have to start to get some career, career clarity because all of your decisions will start to be impacted. You have to use the time you have, which is your time in school, to make decisions that line you up with where you eventually want to be. So if you know that, great, you're ahead of most people, congratulations, pat yourself on the back, you can you know, take a breath for a second. If you don't really know that, one suggestion I can make to you is it can be overwhelming, right? Sports is a massive business. That's all it is, a massive business. It's any job that's out there in the, in the business world, marketing, sales, advertising, apparel, event management. I mean, those are a lot of jobs you'd see out there in any type of, of uh, other business. But then you layer in additional things like coaching, scouting, training that you wouldn't find. Or, I mean, you don't find those in other, other organizations. You don't find that at Microsoft, right? So there are certain things that are special to the sports industry, but a lot of them are across the board what you would see in other businesses. And that's a good thing. My suggestion is, when you're not really sure where that fit is, start doing searches for terms on a site like ours, workinsports.com. We have like 30,000 jobs, right? So that's a lot. You're not going to look through 30,000 jobs. That's ridiculous. But you got to start doing a little bit of research and figuring out what resonates with you, what feels right. And the best way to do that is if you conduct searches using terms that are associated with entry-level jobs, because that's where we start, right? You start with an entry-level job. So if you go into a site like ours and you do a search for coordinator, which is a term often used with, now remember, you're just researching right now. If you do a term that is associated with entry-level jobs, or and there might be different entry-level terms used for whatever section you want to be in, do a little bit of legwork and figure out what that is, and then do a search on it. When you do that, you will get, so use coordinator as an example. You'll find marketing coordinator, sales coordinator, social media coordinator, event management coordinator, who means resource coordinator, scouting coordinator, athletic training. I mean, like you'll find entry-level versions of all of these verticals and all of these opportunities. Read the job descriptions. I'm telling you right now, when you read through a job description and you say to yourself, that sounds like fun, dig deeper. Okay, if you see social media coordinator and you're like, okay, I'm looking at the entry-level expectations of this role, what I'll be doing, I'll be there on event night, I'll be taking pictures, I'll be sharing information, I'll have these kind of things that I'm doing, they want me to know Photoshop, that sounds interesting. Dig deeper after that. Get that love, get that idea, and then dig deeper and see if it still feels right. But sometimes starting with those broad terms will help you get a wide swath across the industry so you can start to see what opportunities look like. And it's the best way to start to identify where your interests are because really it's up to you. People come to me, I get 15 people a week asking me, I love sports, what should I do? And I'm like, I can't tell you that. That's a personal choice. So do the research, look into the opportunities that are out there, Use these kind of terms in order to search for those opportunities and really start to dig into what interests you. Okay, so let's, let's really explain this. I'm going to talk to you like an employer would. I'm going to talk you through what it looks like when you're an employer. So I'm the hiring manager, and I'm hiring a fresh new job for community relations and fan development for the New York Islanders. Okay, so I work for the Islanders. I'm hiring this position. So my job, I'm told to write up a job description. My boss is texting me right now. Why is she texting me at eight o'clock at night? Anyway, forget that. I will not be distracted because I have laser focus. I'm the hiring manager for a fresh new job. 
my job, my HR team says, write up the job description. And in there, I want you to put at least 10 activities they're going to do, 10 skills you expect them to have, get it to us by the end of the week. Okay, great. So I do that. I send that out to them. And this is what it kind of looks like. You can kind of see it there. We submit this to human resources. They come back to me with a list of 50 people that match the demands of what I told them I want. Now, why is this important? Because if you're one of those 500 people that are applying for jobs that aren't really matching the skills that are demanded in the job description, I don't even see you. I don't know you exist. I'm not reading your resume. I'm not thinking this person has potential. I'm not reading your cover letter and saying, wow, I'm really captivated by their story. I don't even see you. Why is this important? Because people just do this crazy technique where they apply for anything out there and expect magic to happen. You have to align and be intentional about the jobs you apply for. Don't waste anybody's time. The other trick behind that is that especially teams, leagues, and big universities use things called an applicant tracking system. And you know what that does? That tracks when you apply for jobs. So Jesse, if I work for the New York Yankees and you're a big Yankees fan, I'm making this up, okay? And I can't even believe I just said the Yankees an example because I'm from Boston. But nonetheless, if that happens, and Jesse, I look through my raw, I look through at my application history and I see that you've applied for 15 different jobs at my organization, that screams out to me, you're a fan who just wants to work here. And I don't want to hire that person. I want to hire somebody that wants this job, that they are skilled for this role, and they want to be in this department, not just somebody that's looking for any opportunity, a team they really like because they want to get free gear. And that's what tends to happen in the sports industry. Okay. So be focused and intentional about where your skills line up with the demands of the industry, or else you're wasting your own time. We don't even see you. And I know that sounds harsh, but that is the reality of this world. We have to parse down the resumes that come in and the applications that are out there. And the way we do that is by simple filters and ETS that say, great, this person has six out of the skills we're looking for. That's a good starting point. This person has two, goodbye. And that's on the HR level. That's before it even gets to me, okay? We just need to have that kind of reality check. So how do you combat this? What do you actually do? It's a very simple process, but I think it's extremely important. I'm telling you right now, if you do this, you'll be ahead of 95% of the competition. And I know that because I talk to all the competition, the people that you will compete with. I go and speak at colleges all across the country. I go speak at all these different events. Nobody does this, even though I tell them to all the damn time. But this is how I, I got hired, excuse me. I said earlier, I'd tell you why I got hired directly out of college. The reason I got hired by CNN Sports Illustrated directly out of college is because I knew at that time, the emerging technology in the sports media was something called nonlinear editing. And so my senior year of college, I dedicated myself to learning that singular skill. And I had other reasons. I had other skills, okay? But when I started to apply for jobs, CNN and Sports Illustrated, two massive companies said, we need people that have nonlinear editing skills and no sports. So I, I, I fit the bill. I matched what they needed. That's why I got the call back. That's why I got into the consideration set. So what do you do? Okay, easy enough. When you start to figure out what your clear, clear career clarity is, when you start to figure out what that thing is you want to pursue, go pull up 10 to 15 jobs that fit that job description of what you want to do. So I'll just use a social media example again, you know, because it's easy. So I really want to work in sports social media. Great. Go pick out 10 to 15 of those jobs. Doesn't matter where they are. Doesn't matter who they're with. You're doing research right now. Pull out those jobs. 
read through them and start to pull out those skills that are listed in there that they are telling you. It's like an open book test. The job description is saying, we want somebody that has these skills, pull them out and put them in a spreadsheet. Okay. So the example over here, we need somebody that knows Photoshop and we keep see, I keep seeing that. I'm looked at 10 or 15 jobs and all of them keep saying Photoshop, Microsoft Dynamics, WordPress, HTML, Python, Jira, email marketing. Okay. All these different things, you pull them all out. You know now that's what's in demand for me to do this role. Those are the skills I need to have. So evaluate yourself and be honest. What's your comfort level with these skills? I've never even looked at Photoshop. Well, guess what? Now you have a game plan. You better learn it. Because if you want to do that job and all these jobs are telling you that are out there right now looking for people saying they want Photoshop skills and you don't have them, here's, hello, here's your flag, right? Go learn it. So you have to know this information or else all your moves that you're making are not intentional. You're just going through the motions. You're checking the box on what you have to do rather than doing the things you need to do in order to get the job you want. So do this and put together a plan of how you're going to learn these things. I'm not saying you need to go take an advanced Photoshop class. I'm saying you can watch YouTube videos and start to play around and start to figure things out and get enough of a working knowledge and put together some imagery, you know, you, or if, you know, Maybe on an internship, you can start to focus in a certain direction. You can even contact, talk to the internship coordinator and say, hey, this is something I'd really like to learn. I know you use, well, I have an opportunity to do that. You have to be your own advocate too when you're out there. You have to be able to speak on your own behalf and say, these are the kind of things I want to get out of this experience. But if you know what's in demand, if you know the things that are needed for the jobs that you want, well, then you can start making smarter decisions. Every decision, internship choices, class choices, spare time choices, everything can go in a focus towards getting you that first job. And then it's all the rest of it is up to you. But if you have the skills, you'll start to get noticed. You'll start to stand out in those, uh, those filtering systems. If you don't, it's up to you, you know? Okay, I wanna, remember, I wanna remind everybody this. Sports teams don't hire fans. That is not a differentiator. Fans are distracted. Fans are looking for opportunities to get, you know, autographs, pictures, selfies, social media moments. We don't want that. We don't want that. We want to hire people that want to do the job, that are focused on that and love the benefits of being in this environment. That's great. We hire people that have the skills to do the job. Being a fan, because I've had more than a thousand cover letters that said I'm a huge fan of, you know, the area teams or I'm a huge fan of, you know, this, this aspect of what you do, it's like, that doesn't, okay, that's nice, but what can you do to solve the problems we have? Just remember that fan does not separate you. Skills separate you. Okay. So when we talk about gaining experience too, I'll just tell you right now, when you, um, I mean, you can, you can read some of the stuff on here. There's obviously some opportunities to get experience that aren't just in the classroom and that aren't just internships, but I will tell you, when you do internships, and some of you probably, I hope you all have already to date and you, you will continue to, or you'll gain experiences out there. I would tell you that what I try to stress to people is that there's opportunity, there's different types of internship opportunities. Sometimes at a big organization, you know, ESPN, Big Ten Network, uh, you know, some major university athletic program like West Virginia, you know, you'll have something on your resume that really stands out and you're around the best practices for the industry, and you are able to network with those people that have massive connections. Those are all great benefits. But a lot of times, and I'm not saying for West Virginia, because I'm sure they have a great internship program, but a lot of the bigger organizations, their internship programs end up giving you very limited things you can do, right? 
So you may not do quite as much, get as much experience. There's a great opportunity in it, but sometimes it'll be very segmented on what they actually allow you to do. And you don't get a wide swath of experiences that can really teach you more about the market or about the industry. So I always say, do one at a big, do at least two, I mean, upwards of way more I'd rather see, but not everybody can do that. I understand that people are restricted in what they're able to accomplish. And some people are paying for their experiences and, you know, they might not be able to intern as easily. But if you can do at least two, try it a big, try it a small. And the reason is if you, if you intern in minor league baseball, you're going to do a bit of everything. You're going to get all this crazy experience. You're going to be able to get a lot of things on your resume and increase your skill set. But then, you know, you have that big company that stands out on your resume too. So getting that balance a little bit. So you have that kind of best practices really stands out on the resume. Super important. Track what you've learned. You will forget things. Keep a sheet, write things down, set goals for yourself and build relationships. It's really a relationship business. So the more people you can start to build connections with and develop with, the better off you'll be. Um, I'm going to jump past this one. All right. Any questions in there? Anybody want to talk about this? All right. You don't have to. It's not a requirement, but it's always better if you do. Nonetheless, um, we'll continue. <laughs> okay. So let's talk a little bit about networking. And Lauren, am I talking too much or are we, or how are you on time? What time do you? Lauren, you're on mute. Yep. I knew that one. Um, no, you're totally fine. Sorry. It was just my watch dinging. You muted me too. Sorry. It's all right. Sorry. No, it's totally fine. Okay. I'll go a little bit quicker on this then. And then if there's any no, questions. No, you're totally fine. I, I want okay. you to cover networking. Networking is so important. And I don't think people realize, especially being in the sports industry, everyone knows everyone. And that's what I've come to realize. No, it's so true. It's a very small world. Um, okay. So we'll do this then. So when I talked about building and maintaining your network, a lot of times that sends chills up people's spines. They're like, I'm not one of those people that can go to a, a conference and just hobnob with people and, you know, chew it up and chat and small talk. And I'm that guy. I don't like doing that stuff at all. But I have a really robust network because of my experiences and because I also use a lot of social opportunities. So understand that you can network face to face if that's your skill set. But you can also network through social media. It does not have to always be face-to-face, -face, especially in this world. So don't think you can't network. Don't make an excuse for yourself if you're like, I don't like these kind of face-to-face -face events. That's okay. You can still network in other ways. Rules that we want to establish here, though, okay? It is not a quantity game. It is not about how many people you are connected to. It's about the quality of the connections. I would rather have somebody say, I have made, I've built 20 really good connections and say, I have 5,000 people, but I don't know any of them. So just focus on the quality of the connection and the relationship versus the number that's associated with it. It's not a numbers game. Um, so build relationships, not numbers. Go ahead. Uh, so how do you facilitate those relationships if you're networking, let's just say over LinkedIn? Mm-hmm. We're going to get there. Trust me. It's coming up next. We're just establishing the ground rules. It's all good. Um, thing to remember too, networking is not just add water. What do I mean by that? Okay. Some people, a lot of people expect instantaneous results. Networking takes time. Networking is a long play. Networking has meaning, but sometimes it may not even make itself apparent for years down the road. I have people that I've worked with that made a connect that I've been connected with that, you know, was beneficial 10 years later, 
So don't think of it as I'm going to network and by next week, this person's going to help me get a job. It doesn't work that way. So just understand that, frame your mind around it, understand that it's a long game. It's going to take some time, but it is totally worth the effort. And you won't even really know it until it happens, but it will be. Work slowly in networking situations. Think of it like a dating relationship. You don't want to come out and just drop your entire life on somebody in the first time you meet them, right? Don't have massive expectations for what they're going to do for you. Just start slowly. Have simple conversations. We'll get into some of that, but just to really understand, like, work slowly in any kind of these relationships. You're building a connection with somebody. You are not dropping your entire life story on them. I have that happen so often where somebody will connect with me on LinkedIn. Next thing I know, I'm getting 15 paragraphs on their life story. And it's like, too much, too much. And that sounds like too much work to me. So I'm just not even going to engage. So just start slowly in a dialogue and in a conversation and have a purpose. Okay, so let's, let's talk about this. We're going to skim LinkedIn really quick. All right. Well, not skim, but I'm still going to get into it. But like, just I'll give you some a couple quick tips. Um, when you connect with somebody, like I use LinkedIn obsessively, and it's how Lauren and I connected. Um, when you use LinkedIn, you have an opportunity. And let's say I wanted to connect with Clayton. Okay. If I'm on my phone and find Clayton and just hit a button to connect, it automatically just sends him a request to connect. But if I try to connect with Sean and I'm on my laptop, I have the opportunity to add a note and I have 300 characters to do that. And why is that important? Well, because Clayton just saw my, uh, my invite come and has no idea who I am, has no context for the, for the conversation, has no idea why you should connect with me or why it would be beneficial to either one of us. But Sean is going to get a 300 character note from me that is going to explain why it makes sense, why I wanted to connect with him, give him some reason to make this connection and start off in this kind of warm connection, right? Rather than just this cold, like click a button, we're actually starting to have a dialogue. So the rule is always, 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 when you connect with people, add a note, add a note, okay? And give a reason why this makes sense. It's such a simple step and not enough people do it, but it starts off the relationship on the right foot. It starts off the connection moving in the right direction. Okay. And then you want to be present in their world. You know, one of the most important things you can do is be visible. And that does not mean just clicking like whenever they share something. I'll, I'll post something, I'll get 85 likes. I don't go through each one and see who they are. Right. I don't notice that really. It's just a number that I end up seeing. It's a vanity metric. But if you comment and you actually read what I shared, and you maybe had a good thought about it or asked a follow-up question, now we're talking, now we're engaging, right? That's a better activity than just going around and clicking a bunch of likes on people. You want to be visible. You want them to start to recognize your name. And you, they want to start to, you want to start to identify as thought-provoking, meaning if they post something about how they just broke attendance records for their G League team, and you write back in there, say, congratulations. What did you guys do differently this year? Now you're talking, right? Open-ended questions. Show some intrigue. Show some curiosity. And that's how you start to engage people in conversations. This happens with me a lot. There'll be a handful of people that will engage, and I know those people, right? So then when they start to ask me a different question, something maybe more pointed, I'm more likely to respond to them. You can't come out of the gate in a networking environment and say, hey, do you know anybody over here you can get me a job with? I'm like, I don't know who you are. You know, you got to start slowly. 
You got to start to build those connections. You got to start to have a conversation, ask questions, present yourself in the right way. That's how you build your personal brand. What you need to understand right now is that when you give that note to somebody to make a connection, that's your first brand impression. They're going to read that and they're going to form a first impression of who you are. People always think that the first impression is face-to-face. It's not. It's the first email I read from you. It's the first note that I read that you made a connection. If you do sloppy, if you have sloppy grammar, if it's like all messy, if I don't really understand it, it's all a big run-on sentence. I'm like, okay, moving along. That's a brand impression. Take every one of these moments seriously because it is forming who you are in the industry. Word travels fast too. You know, we talk about this a lot too, ghosting on interviews. My God, young people applying for jobs that aren't showing up to the interview. Guess what? We all talk to each other in the sports industry. We all know each other. So if you're ghosting one person, you're hurting yourself for the next job too. It's that, it's just this, these impressions in this industry are really, really important. So take every one of these communication moments seriously. Okay. Okay. So I'm going to give you a real life story about networking just to prove that it is a long game that can bear fruit. Okay. So again, I had somebody that I was working with that I was consulting with that was, you know, essentially it was somebody that did all the things that I just talked about that built a relationship with me, asked good questions, was always present, sharing a lot of our content. I'm like, all right, I'll help them out. So they came to me and said, I've taken a lot of your classes. I understand what you're talking about. I've started to figure out some career clarity. I really want to work in operations for an NBA team. That's what I want to do. That's my career goal. What should I do now? It's like, great. That's awesome. Congratulations. That's a big step, right? I said, well, we already talked about all the experience stuff. So you have to do that. You have to go figure out what the demands are for somebody to work in operations in the NBA. Write those all down. Make sure you get those skills. And then you're going to line up for what the job demands are, right? You're going to stand out when you start applying. So you go handle all that. But let's put together a networking strategy too. So I told them, I said, try to connect. So don't start with the NBA. Try to connect on LinkedIn with all 30 NBA G League operations coordinators. Now, the good news here, and I say I'm saying operations coordinators because that's that entry-level type job that we were talking about in operations. This is probably going to be somebody that graduated within the last two or three years themselves. They know exactly what they had to get through to get, to get hired, and they're more likely to give back too and to try to give some advice and try to help other people because they're so closely connected to it. So I said, reach out to all 30 of the NBA G League teams operations coordinator add a note, include that, you know, I'm a college junior. I really decided that I want to work in operations in the NBA. I'm I'm studying these classes. I'd really like to connect with you and continue to learn through your experiences. That's it, right? Comes back to me and says 14 people accepted. That's a huge win. Forget about the 16 that didn't. There's probably a hundred reasons why they might not check check, check LinkedIn. They might not be good at this. It doesn't matter. Who cares? Focus on the 14 positive. I said, all right, great. Now you have to focus on building a relationship with those 14 people. So it doesn't have to be this network of 1,000. 14, you can do this. So I told them, set up Google Alerts for their team. Set up other ways to keep their eyes on their news. And then reach out, like be visible on what they're doing too. If they share something, involved in it, like I just said, get involved in it, like I just said. But also, you know, set up Google Alerts. If they, if they book some brand new sponsorship partner, then reach out to them and say, congratulations on the new partnership sponsor. What was that negotiation like? <laughs> Excuse me, or something of that nature. Some open-ended question to start a dialogue. It shows that you're a thought, you're, you're paying attention to what's happening in the industry. You're, you're showing them some flattery too because you notice what they're doing and what their organization is up to. And you're asking a really smart question. 
right? If they book some really cool halftime guest, reach out to them and be, be like, what other security do you have to add to this? You know, or is this change your approach to your facility management that night? Like just ask curious questions and try to learn. And that's how you start to engage with people. Stand by. So after you start to do that after a while, then you can start to ask maybe job specific questions, start to layer in some. So what was the first six months like for you on the job? What were those things that you learned in college that have been really applicable to you right now? You're not given chapter and verse, you're asking really pointed questions. You're starting a dialogue there. <coughs> okay, so six months later, this person has been doing all this and he comes to me and says, I just saw this job open up with the Long Island Nets, but boo-hoo, that's not one of the teams I have a connection with. And I'm like, that, you've totally missed the point of this. I'm like, now you have, I'm like, how many of these teams that you've started with these 14 people, how many do you feel like you have a really good, like you've built a relationship there? And he's like, eh, six or seven. I'm like, awesome. Reach out to all six of them today and say, I saw this job opportunity pop up. Do you happen to know anybody over there? You're not asking for a job. You're not asking for a referral. They've never worked with you. You're just asking if they know anybody over there, right? You're open-ended questioning it enough that they may take the bait and volunteer to go even a step further. And that's exactly what happened. He said, all six responded within no time and said, yeah, I know somebody over there. Send me a resume. I'll drop it off to them. I'll send it to them later today. It took six months. It took time. It took effort. But he's pretty far ahead of the people that didn't do that. He got his resume handed to the hiring manager by six other operations coordinators in the G League that knew them. Think that gets them to the top of the pile? I sure as hell do. That's how it works. <coughs> Excuse me. It can take time and it can be easy to drop off at times. It can be easy to say, this isn't bearing any fruit for me. This isn't worth it. But then you're going to have it work and you're going to be like, oh yeah, that was all worth it. And that was 14 people. It wasn't a hundred. So just keep that perspective. All right. We're not going to get into resume coverland personal brand. I think you're probably tired of hearing from me. So while I take a sip of water, does anybody have any questions? Sarah, I know that you were talking about personal brand. Do you have any questions that you wanted to like really, I don't know, hit the nail on the head with? Um, so currently I'm a college coach at a division two school down in North Carolina. And awesome. something that we see that I have seen consistently is more towards the personal brand of what coaches are doing within social media. And I think this has grown through every avenue within sports industry. And kind of from there is from that personal brand, kind of with the social media, what do you say the do nots and the do twos for that part of it? Cause I think that's a, a key for, a lot of young professionals yeah. with in the social media because that can hurt you or it can make you in that in that part of it. Yeah, it depends. It's like, what do you want to be known for? Right. Uh, if you want to get into content creation, you have to get in there, start building your brand, start showing off your videos, start showing off the things you can make. If you want to get into coaching, then is that the best way to be like what, what are you going to use social for? If you can do tips if you can do techniques, if you can do motivation, awesome, do it. Kara Lawson, the head coach at Duke's win Duke women's basketball has one of the best two minute speeches on motivation that I've probably ever heard. And I would hire her tomorrow, right? So 
my point is, if it plays to your personality and you can make that work with the brand you want to have, because you want, if you're going to be a coach, you want authority, you want knowledge, you want leadership. You know, if you can do that, then yeah, but just being on social and trying to be in the conversation and trying to build up your, you know, comedic timing or whatever doesn't align with who you want to be. So I would say, if you want to build your personal brand, what is that story you want to tell? Is it thought leadership on techniques and coaching and X's and O's? Because that's what's going to get you hired the next time around. Is it leadership and motivation and leading a group of people? Okay, great. Lean into that. But just do social doesn't end up really like everybody, no matter what it is you want to get into, you have to connect what where you want to be and what that person looks like to what you're representing in your brand, right? Because I had this conversation with, who did I have this conversation with? Somebody. I'm one of the shows I've done recently. I've done a lot of interviews lately for the podcast. Um, and, and we were talking about how them, they made mistakes because they had essentially aligned. Uh, they were doing things and doing activities and building up a, uh, a, like a following but it did not connect with the way they wanted to be represented in the industry. And so they actually found out that it was hurting them. So again, it's this idea of what social means to you and what you want to give off as your persona and making those two things align. Does that make sense? So don't just do it because other people are doing it. Do it because you have a plan and a purpose and that it aligns with how you want to be represented. If you want to jump up to D1, what are those coaches that are doing D1 that you want to do? Are they doing that? Is that how they're being known? Or are they networking? Are they going to camps over the summer? Are they building connections with other D1 schools? Like, like just think about those activities that will push you up that next level versus, um, versus trying to go viral or something along that lines. What is the relationship between work and sports and NFL agencies? Or is there one? So you want to be an NFL agent? Is that the question? Uh, yes, I'm interning for an NFL agency right now. But Which I was one? Just curious. Rosenhaus Sports. Okay. Um, uh, you, that's great. Uh, <laughs> uh, I mean, I've interviewed uh, Lee Steinberg and Jack Mills and Nicole Lynn and a couple other really great high-profile agents, NFL agents. I have not interviewed Drew Rosenhaus, although maybe you can make that connection. Um, but uh, I mean. Jobs at agencies, I mean, being an, so this is one of the things that I think is really interesting. When you go and when I go and talk to colleges, I would literally say 60 to 70% of the people say to me, like, I want to be an agent, right? So it's highly competitive because everybody thinks of that moment and the money and the, the high, the high profile, but that is a long, hard slog to get to being that level. There are very few, it's a very, very condensed market of those that make great success being an agent. So it sounds like you're going about it in the right way, which is coming, I mean, support staff to agencies, like within the agency, you know, there's, there's marketing, there's events, there's all different kinds of things that are happening at those agencies rather than being an agent right out of the gate. Because being an agent is like, I mean, you have to have massive connections. And then even then you're pouring a lot of money out before there's contracts signed that, that result in a commission. Uh, you got to have, you got to have some, some real guts to, to make it there. And there's a high, high, high failure rate. Getting in, getting the experience you have, 
That's awesome, right? That's something that'll stand on your resume, just like I was talking about. Uh, but working, bringing a skill set to the table that's in demand. You know, if you can be a great athlete marketer, that is highly in demand for agencies to have on their staff now because athlete agents are doing more than just contract negotiations at this point. They are, they are brand agents more than ever. And it's starting even younger with names, images, and likenesses. So bring your skill set to a point that it is beyond the idea of the traditional agent. Lean into marketing and other things along that lines that you can bring to the table. And, and I mean, again, agency is all about relationships. Like the contracts are boilerplate. They all, every agent knows how to do the contracts. That's not the game. It's about the connections that they have and, you know, the, the ability to, you know, bring value like agent. I was just Mike Nelligan. So he's the CMO of Vayner sports. So Vayner sports agency, Gary Vaynerchuk. And he was saying that when he was agents in agent, you know, 10 years ago it was all about, well, what are the big contracts that you've done? But now it's all, what are those big sponsorship deals you can get me? So athletes nowadays are saying, yeah, the contract, I mean, I'm going to get the contract. The money's there. I get it. What else am I going to get? So it's much more about athlete marketing than ever before. But as far as our relationships with sports agencies, I mean, a lot of those jobs are sometimes hard to pull. They, they, are, they are very referral-based. They are very on the down low and who you know. So networking will be super important for you. Thank you. Any other questions I can help with? Hello. I'll go ahead and jump oh, in. Oh, you want to go ahead, Sean? No, 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 no. Please go. Okay. Um, so I am transitioning from the military into hopefully the sports industry. Thank you for your um, service. Oh, thank you. Um, it's harder for me to find internships based off of my age. I'm 40. <laughs> um, it's highly competitive, especially around here in Colorado Springs. And I was just wondering, what are your thoughts on the experience gained through volunteering and whether or not that really assists in networking and its approach? Yeah, so I will tell you this. There's a lot, a lot, a lot of people that go from the military to the sports industry because there are parallels. You know, it's a, it's a competitive team-based uh, community. You know, it's supportive in that way. And it's, you know, it's, there's definitely a lot of parallels. We do see a lot of crossover in that regard. Um, you have to highlight your, your, uh, your crossover skills, right? Your transferable skills from being in the military and from having that background, you have a lot of the skills that organizations like this uh, organizations out there need. You just have to learn how to tell your story a little bit so that they know it. Um, you have to sometimes draw the connection for people. So lean into those things that you have like leadership and lead into those things you have like organization and discipline and maturity and et cetera, lean into who you are rather than kind of being afraid of using that. It is really important that, you know, okay. So when I'm hiring or anybody that I talk to who's in hiring, there is a great vulnerability that comes from that. You are so worried about hiring the wrong person, bringing them in and then having it be something you need to replace in six months or something that's going to disrupt your culture or whatever. One of the great benefits that we all believe in hiring is that hiring veterans, you honestly get somebody that has more maturity, more dedication, shows up on time, doesn't cause problems. Like these are really good things. It gives a comfort to that, right? I've hired a lot of veterans in the past and the experience has been great. Um, my, my point in bringing that up is lean into those things that you have. 
you may, I understand the struggle to get internships, but I also think it depends on what you want to do, but there are a lot of programs that will take good volunteer. Like I, I tell people a lot of times, like you can volunteer at those yearly events because they don't usually have big staffs, bike races, marathons, things of that nature, but those don't give you a great hands-on experience. You know, you might be able to network a little bit, but you might be standing over there making sure the cars go the right direction. You know, like it's not a great experience, but there are a lot of smaller colleges and smaller universities. And I mean, you're right there by uh, USOC headquarters too. If you're in Colorado Springs, right? I mean, I'm sure there's tons of. Yeah, no, um, actually I, I have networked. Um, the vice president of the Paralympic committee, I now have a connection with. And That's great. Uh, I almost was able to work it into possibly getting hired, but then COVID hit and the position I was going for. got Just stay in touch with the person. Okay. Just stay in touch with it. Keep making those touch points, you know, keep a conversation open, ask some good questions, you know, flatter them if something good's happened in their world, you know, uh, just keep that conversation going. Um, at the same time, uh, you know, there's other ways to gain experience that will match with the industry outside of just internships. So I understand that can be difficult and that people are looking for, you know, those who are interns who may be younger or doing it for college credit or whatever it may be. And there could be some restrictions there. Heck, it may even be that, you know, it's an internship that isn't paying and that just doesn't fit your lifestyle right now. So I would just say, once you get a little bit of an idea of what it means to you to work in the sports industry and what it is that you want to do, really start to hone in on some of those skill sets that you can stand out for on your resume and just be willing and open to, to whatever opportunity is out there. You know, sometimes I hate the old getting the foot in the door kind of routine uh, because you don't want to just get any job. You want to be some, doing something that's aligned with what you want to be and what you want to do. But at the same time, you know, sometimes getting in there is, is all it is the only step you're really looking for. Lean into the education you're getting, being in a, you know, a graduate program, the skills that you're learning, you know, just try to make that connection and, and to what they need and how you can fill it. Thank you. My pleasure. I know something that I did. So when I started doing like my kind of sports research and stuff, I started reaching out to like random positions or random people in like fields that I was thinking about going into. And I started asking for like informational interviews and like really honing in on like, how did they get to that career path? Yeah. Yeah. And I would say too, if you, once you get some of that, I tell people this a lot too, is like, I've had 400 guests on our podcast. I mean, if you have listened to an episode of somebody doing something that you're interested in doing, a scout, uh, AD, whatever it is, reach out to them. And your note is now, I heard you on the Work and Sports podcast. I really learned a lot about how you got started in your career. Would love to connect and continue learning from you. And that's your conversation starter too. So leverage those little moments. You read an article they wrote. You saw them on a video, like whatever it is. Like sometimes it just takes a little bit of an angle to get in with somebody and start a conversation. So try to find those people that are doing things that interest you and try to make a connection with them in some way. And that can really start to build some bridges too. And informational interviews are great. They really are. Sean, I think you had a question. I want to first say uh, thank you. This has been uh, extremely informative and uh, I'm, I'm super glad that I looked at my email this afternoon. Um, <laughs> so am I. Yeah. Um, but so, say hypothetically speaking, you go and you you go into an organization and you go through one of these, you know, one of the verticals that you just uh, presented yeah. a couple slides ago and you find out that you, it's not really for you and you no. jump verticals. Do organizations 
look down upon you jumping verticals like that, or do they want to see that you're more of a well-rounded and um, have experience in a little bit more than just one single aspect? No, it's a really great question. So a lot of times I tell people like, you do an internship in a lot of ways to find out what you don't like too. Sometimes I've had a lot of people do internships and they're like, I really thought I wanted to do this, but it is not like, once I see the actual work environment, it's not my thing. That's okay. That's good. That's good. That's good. Right. You don't want to be out there in the workforce five years into a career that you hate and then questioning like, what do I do now? Right. So figuring those things out and making a change is totally okay. You just always have to think about it. Every job you've ever done in your life, taught you some skills that is probably transferable to another job, whether it's customer service, it's sales, it's revenue generation, it's using Excel, it's understanding Google Analytics, it's all these different things that you may have done that can apply to other roles. So just make sure as you do start to shift and try something else, you don't leave anything behind. You've acquired skills, you've acquired experience, make sure you connect those dots so that you can start to connect with other opportunities as well. Sometimes they're pretty dramatic. You know, somebody's working in sales and then they want to be a GM. It's like, okay, we can get there, but it might take a little bit more time to go get the skills that are in demand for this new role so that you can stand out for it. But I think if you go about it systematically and you start to understand what's in demand, you can learn those things and really get yourself there. So give me the, for example, for you, did you have like a certain thing you were pursuing and then you're like, yeah, let's move over here. I'm a certified strength and conditioning specialist. I own a personal training company. I don't necessarily, I, I kind of want to get out of the strength world a little yeah. bit. Um, I do love it, but I don't think as a professional setting that that's kind of for me. Um, okay. So I do want to start in some kind in the front office. I don't really, I haven't put my finger on exactly what yet, um, okay. but I liked your, your idea of, of looking at a job and then seeing 15 other jobs and kind of doing the research behind that. That's yeah. a, I actually wrote that down. That's a, I'm going to do that hundred percent. That's awesome. Um, but yeah, so I, I really haven't hundred percent put my finger on what exactly I want to, but I'm kind of, there's a few things that I definitely don't. Um, which I do know for uh, as of right now, but what I do want, I'm not hundred percent sure yet. So one of the things I would suggest then is minor league teams in any sport and um, any smaller colleges, there's so much crossover because if you, of roles, I mean, um, it's almost like forgetting internships for a second, even entry level roles with a lot of these organizations, think about it minor league baseball team does essentially the exact same thing a major league baseball team, except like with a third of the staff or like a, a 10th of the staff. I mean, they're putting on massive events with tens of thousands of people, in, uh, many, many, you know, 72 nights out of the year or whatever their schedule is. Um, so it's, it's like, there's so much work that goes into it and that, and that they need to have people that can cross over and show some versatility. So in those kind of roles, sometimes you can be like, I'm in the press box this night and then I'm doing sales this night and then I'm doing this thing the other night. And, and so you get a wide swath of experiences to understand how the whole operation works. And I tell you what, I've interviewed a lot of GMs and presidents in minor league baseball and they'll tell you like, oh yeah, I started out as an intern 20 years ago, you know, and they built their way up because a lot of those organizations do build that way. So when you're thinking about front office stuff, if you think minor leagues, a lot of times you can get the experience to kind of figure out what that path may be for you. And you can kind of grow within these organizations too. They have more churn than some other organizations. So a lot of times people start out in minors and they're like, 
you know, I'm, now I want to go to the pros. So they jump out. Um, but sometimes people are like, no, I like this environment. I want to continue to grow here and they can become top level in the minors too. So just, you know, you'll feel that out and figure out what that is. And if the trainer yeah. sucks, you can kick the crap out of them. Exactly. Yeah. I was an all American wrestler in college. So I'll be all right. <laughs> That's kind of what I figured. <laughs> Anybody else? Connor Smith? Uh, yeah, um, I do have a question. Um, so I've been having a hard time finding a um, just a sports job. I've been looking at different sites like LinkedIn, Indeed. Um, I've checked out working sports a little bit, but um, for the longest time, I thought it was a spam, frankly, um, just <laughs> in general. Um, just some of the links didn't seem like secure. I get like alerts on my computer from them, but um, I've also been using um, like NCAA marketplace, but I think um, I checked a week ago and it seemed like that was down. So it's been kind of hard. Are there any sites? I'm sure you'd recommend working sports, but are there any other ones you think um, would be a good place to look? I think I'd get fired if I started recommending other sites to look at uh, okay. for sports jobs, since that's sure. kind of exactly what we do. Uh, we have been around for 20 years. We're definitely not a scam. Uh, okay. We are a highly backed company. Um, you know, we're, we're, we are actually acquired last year by a larger organization too, which has actually worked out really well. Um, but it's, uh, I'll, I'll tell you, it's not a scam. I work there. Sure. <laughs> Thanks. No problem. Glad to help. Brian, what are your thoughts on mentorships? Um, Incredibly important and selecting the right type of person. I think mentorships, getting, getting like being mentored, or do you mean providing? No, being mentored. So yeah, being mentored. I, I find like a, a yep. position that I want to go for, and then I make that connection and then start building that relationship and kind of working hand in hand to gain the necessary skills. Yeah, there's a lot of different types of mentors. And what I mean by that is sometimes you'll be meant, you'll have a mentor who has lots of years of experience in the industry and can provide some seasoned knowledge and can give you advice on things like salary negotiation or how to approach somebody or whatever. And those are really important people to have. And those can sometimes be professors or they can be adjunct professors who are out there working and, and teaching in the classroom, or there's all different types of people that could be internship coordinator that you hit it off with, you know, anything of that nature. And then a lot of times, you know, mentors really come about organically. I think, I think the best ones do. Because there has to be somewhat of a connection there. There has to be somewhat of a, a relationship style connection. Um, I, I've had people that I don't know try to reach out to me and say, will you be my mentor? And I'm like, it feels forced to me. Like, I think the best mentorships come are almost a, a partnership in a way. Um, and a lot of times that comes from some level of experience. Like I have most of the mentors that I have are people that maybe were a boss before or somebody that advised me earlier in my life. So it kind of depends on what you want to get out of it. I think it does tie in a little bit to networking though. And one thing I would advise is that when we were talking about networking, a lot of people think of networking as only a vertical kind of exercise. Like I have to network with that person two steps up from me in my career, the mid-level manager, the, you know, the coach, of the D1 team or whatever it may be. But a lot of your best networking actually happens from the people around you. So other people on the internship with you, other people that you start your entry level job with, other people you've known, because I'll give an example. When I first started at CNN Sports Illustrated, there was, I mean, uh, 50 of us that probably started around the same time. 
all those people now are leading sports departments across the nation. So those are my network. Those are the people. Willie Geist from the Today Show is somebody that I came up with in the industry. Mike Schiffman, who's a VP at ESPN. Kevin Miller runs, you know, Comcast Sportsnet New England. These are all the people I came up with. And so we've all gone into different positions. So just remember to make the relationships across the aisle from you too, just in the area that you are. And then mentorships, I think, kind of come naturally and organically from, from connections. Sometimes you'll just connect with somebody well, and you'll continue to ask them questions and lean on them. Now, sometimes an informational interview can be the way to kick that off. You know, you meet somebody, you, you, you connect with them, you try to ask to see if they give you 30 minutes of a conversation or 20 minutes of a conversation, you hit it off, you keep that relationship going, and they kind of fill a mentorship role for you. So all those things, all those activities, and that's it. They're activities. It's work. You know, you got to put the effort into it. Thank you. My pleasure. Anybody else have any other questions? Ryan. Yes, Justin. Um, what would your advice to me to be that you say, hey, you know what? You teach graduates and undergraduates here. You know, if, if there's things that, because you, again, you've described the fan thing and, and I, I try my best mm -hmm especially with the undergrads to stay away from the, Hey, I have a tattoo of the uh, Raiders on right. my own and that, that's going to get me a job with the, you know, right. um, but what could I do to, to better prepare undergrads, graduates in heading into this industry? Yeah. I do think one of the biggest misses from people are is, is enough um, interview prep and interview work. Now, it doesn't make sense to do that with freshmen and sophomores, but yeah. junior seniors, um, I think mock interview setups, I think anything of that nature and some practice op opportunities. You know, we had, I worked with one school who put together like an advisory board of local employers, like local sports teams, minor league teams, whatever. And once a year, they do an event where they brought in those people, not for real jobs, but they'd literally run the students through mock interview sessions. And that really taught them how to perform in those moments. And those can, those are, those moments are really important. But again, I also think this concept of researching the jobs that you want to do and making sure you know the skills that are in demand for them. I know I've already said it, but it is something that not enough people are doing. You know, a lot of college students, I think, tend to go through the motions of saying, this class was this, I have to do this class and I have these two choices and then I have to do two internships. And then they tell me that I graduated and I get a sheet of paper, but they haven't had that intention about all their choices to say, I wanna go into a marketing coordinator role with an NBA team. And when I look at these 15 jobs, here are the 15 things that they say that they wanna have. Well, are you taking the right things? Are you doing the right experiences to get to that point? Yeah. Are you gonna match the jobs that are out there? Because the process has become more sophisticated. The applicant tracking systems are nutty. Like I have worked with a lot of these systems and a lot of these organizations that run them. And it is crazy how they can refine exactly what they're looking for and zero in before they've ever even, you know, looked at your, before anybody, a, a real person has ever even looked at your resume. So understanding how that works, getting people to align their skill sets with where they want to go, and then working on that interview process is, is, is really important. I've, I've had so many people that we've had follow-up meetings with, or I've talked to employers because I talked to a lot of talent acquisition people and they'll be like, yeah, they look great on paper. And then they just were terrible in the interview process. Yeah, and so that last moment is so important. Yeah. I mean, and we've experienced that as well here. I mean, I, I'm on search committees here 
where very similar, you know, I mean, there's a, there's a professor that looks great and we bring them in and we're, we're excited. And it's like, I, I think he or she would be great. It's just, man, that they had a, they picked a terrible time for a, you know, for bad day. Yeah. Yeah. Or, you know, for, 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 for that, you know, and, and again, to your point, like you, you just can't get by that. It's like, man, I'll share one other thing with you too, as we're talking, I'm thinking of more, but I'll share one other thing for you too. This concept of first impressions I think is really important because I don't think enough people realize that in, in an email, in, a, in any kind of communication, in adding a note to a LinkedIn request, that's a first brand impression. And these sloppy requests that I get or emails or correspondences, it just is like right away you're setting yourself up for failure. So the ability to communicate in a high level is actually a differentiator now, and it never used to be. It used to be a baseline expectation. But now the ability to communicate in a, I mean, we run a program called the Sports Career Game Plan, and we're in 50 different universities across the country, okay? And I will have students that will reach out to me that say something along the line. They'll send like a one, like one line saying, hey, I need help with this. And I'm thinking, okay, who are you? Where do you go to school? Give me a little bit more of a description. Have a more mature conversation here rather than just, hey, I need your help. Can you do this? Yeah. We have 2,500 students using this program. To just reach out as if I already know who you are, where you go to school, what your problem may be, is poor communication skills. Those basics of being able to have, to write an email, to give a message that is like clearly defining what it is you need from this conversation. These are lost arts and that's scary. Like that's a problem. Like to, to not be able to clearly articulate what you want out of a conversation where you get run on, I mean, I tend to speak in run on sentences, but when you actually communicate in run on sentences and it's like this massive thing and it's like, I don't know what you're asking for anymore, you know, to be able to be clear, to make a clear point, to communicate with authority. Like these are, these are, these are tough skills because people are used to communicating via text or via, you know, social. And it's just a different atmosphere when you're trying to communicate in the business sense. All right. Thank you. My pleasure. Yeah. Anybody else I can help? What we got here? Any other questions, guys? I don't want to keep Ryan all night. It's he okay. Was Thank you. To pop on at it. night, and you know, I had to beg and plead with him. <laughs> <laughs> I'm happy to. I, I do appreciate it. And I will say, though, I would love it if all of you connect with me on LinkedIn. But if you don't add a note, I'm not going to accept it. Because then you weren't listening. <laughs> you have to write three key points from his presentation. Then we know that you were listening. <laughs> there you go. All right. Thanks, everybody. I do appreciate it. All right, Brian. Thank you very much for your time. I really appreciate it. Have a good night, everybody. Take care. Thank you. All right. So good night, everyone. Thank you very much. I will follow up with an email and then hopefully we can connect for the next uh, next month's meeting. I appreciate your time, your dedication. Spread the word. Have a great night, guys.